0: Again, I invite you to take your Bibles and open to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 46 through 55 this morning. If you're using a Bible there provided for you in the rows of chairs. We, uh, Pastor James and I put on some of those uh, book racks this week, so they're under there. And uh, it's page 500, excuse me, 856, right that wrong there, page 856. And the Bible's provided there. We're going to look... Just a moment here at Mary's Song. It's that time of year again as we wrap things up and look forward to the new year. Um, the annual meeting's coming up in January. We are uh, approaching people and asking uh, if you've been nominated as you, to serve on committee, so don't be surprised if you get a phone call or a text message or email or a conversation about serving uh, on a committee here as we do ministry throughout the year in different ways. Just want to let you know something that's going to be changing for the coming year, and that's in regard to our, our missionary committee. Our missionary committee currently right now is Sunday School Superintendent, who's, uh, who's Don, and then one person elected, who's Marcia, and then our pastors and deacons. For the coming year, we're going to uh, adjust that, and we're going to call it the Missionary Care Committee. So we are actually expanding it to four people, all elected. Uh, so there's not, if you're something, you're automatically on this. It'll be four people elected. And then what we're going to ask you to do if you're on this committee is to once a quarter have contact with our missionaries. So they'll be divvied up amongst the four people and uh, you'll kind of be assigned that missionary through email, text, phone call, Facebook messenger, just to help us keep in touch with our missionaries and have a better feel for what's going on in their life and ministry. And So uh, it's going to be a little bit different for the coming year, but we feel like our missionaries will be better served, we would be better served by knowing what's going on. And so uh, we're expanding that for the coming year and look forward to being, looking forward to that. And I think from time to time we'll have those folks maybe give an update, whether in prayer meetings, Sunday school, Sunday morning, about what's going on in the life of our missionaries. So that's just something different going to be happening for the coming year. And we're looking forward to how that's going to benefit us and our missionaries as well. If you found your way to Luke chapter 1, let's pray. And we will look at our passage this morning. Father, thank you for what we've sung of your mercy. And through your mercy, Lord, you've given your son Jesus Christ. And through him, there is no fear of death, no power of hell. All our enemies are dealt with. Though the sting of death is present, we know it's not the ultimate end. We thank you that through this, you will keep us. You will guard our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forevermore, says in Psalm 121. We thank you that you watch over us. You're mindful of us. And Lord, this is seen in its greatest manifestation and through the giving of your son, Jesus Christ. And help us now as we look at Mary's song, at her own heart, and Lord, how it cries out to us about who you are and what you've done. Lord, we love you pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to Abraham, his offspring forever. One of the things that I enjoy most about the, the Christmas season or this time of year is the music, the songs, right? And there's great debate. And by great debate, I mean it's people just arguing about when you can start singing Christmas songs, right? When can you turn Christmas music on in your house? Some of you, it might be five o'clock on Thanksgiving day, right? 5 p.m., that's how it was growing up. That was for us. The day after Thanksgiving is when Christmas could start. But as I've grown and as we have kids, it's like, it's kind of fun to put up the tree a little bit earlier. It's kind of fun to start to think that way. Um, a pastor I served with in, in Mason City, Pastor Tim Moore, he would start listening to Christmas music in October. It's, it's crazy, right? The music of Christmas, there's something about it. It instantly brings memories to our minds, right? Whether it's the, the classic carols that we sing, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, the First Noel, and the, the many that we'll sing, or the, the cheesy, you know, Christmas songs, right? White Christmas, um, uh, Happy Holidays. Um, I remember driving around in my friend's car in the snow singing Happy Holidays, doing our best, like, 1940s Rat Pack impersonations. Yeah, it's, it's classic, right? But the music, the songs that we sing bring so many emotions and memories to us. And as we read here in Luke 1, this passage is a song. It's a psalm. It's poetry. It is a lyrical representation of what's going on in Mary's heart. It's a song. And as we look the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at four separate songs in Luke 1 and 2 and what they mean for us. And how they reflect the goodness of God in the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ. Music is part and parcel to the worship of God. We read that in Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. The Psalms are full of these commands to sing. And here as Mary is taking in all of this information of what God is doing in her heart and life, what is her response? It's to sing. To sing. So let's look here at Luke 1, verses 46 to 55. And the big idea from Mary's song is this, is that God's choice of Mary in the birth of Christ points us to his care for his children, regardless of position. So God's choice of Mary, right? Mary, we'll look at here, is from humble estate. She has nothing extraordinary about her, but God chooses her as his servant to carry his son. And in God's choice of Mary, it, it points us to his care for his children. By children, I mean those who fear him, those who follow him, regardless of position. And we'll see how that plays itself out here. God uses the small, simple, mundane, normal things of this world to demonstrate his sovereign plan. And through Mary's song of praise, she directs our thoughts To God, in the fact that He is mindful of the lowly. She is not powerful, born into a high position, but is humble. God has time for the little people. He's also mighty for the weak. For those who are helpless, He delivers victory. So let's look here. And as we come to this point in Luke, of course, this is not an isolated situation, there's the broader context here. Luke 1, you could flip over a page. Luke records for us here a couple uh, births being foretold. You have John the Baptist to Elizabeth and Zechariah, and we'll talk about Zechariah next week. But Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. And there's this birth foretold of the forerunner of Christ to Elizabeth. And then there's the birth of Jesus foretold to Mary by the angel Gabriel. And if you remember and understand that Mary's a young woman. She's We would probably call her a girl today. Early teens, just of marriageable age. She's betrothed to Joseph. Simple girl, simple life, nothing extraordinary. And here God visits her and says, you're going to be the mother of my son. You're going to be the, the mother of the Messiah. That would be a lot of information. That would be a huge truth bomb (laughs) to try and process if you remember when you were 14 15 16 years old how well did you process big things in your life right you might be saying great or you might be a 14 15 year old right now saying i can handle anything and mom and dad is probably maybe shaking your head thinking "Hmm, i don't know (laughs) here is this young girl and has this information come to her she's going to be the mother Of the Messiah. And she goes then, says in verse thirty-nine, to her cousin, to the hill country, to a town of Judah. She went to the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth, her cousin. And as she walks in and greets, they greet each other. What happens to the baby in Elizabeth's womb? Does flips. That is one of those things that as a father I never get to experience. And it's one of those things that's unique to being a mom when you have that life in you and they're doing somersaults. Like, I've eaten some some bad tacos before, but I don't think it's the same, right? This child, this new life that's already demonstrating the activity. And this baby, John the Baptist, leaps in her womb because, supernaturally, (laughs) understanding who is there in Mary's womb. The Messiah, Jesus, and Elizabeth exclaims, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And all of this happens. These two newly expectant mothers get together to visit, to talk. I'm sure Mary was gonna share with Elizabeth what happened uh, as the angel came to her. But as all this happens, Mary then breaks out in song. Now, was this to herself, to her, her and Elizabeth? We aren't necessarily sure, but Luke records it for us here. And as we look at this, we see two things here that Mary describes about God's care for us, his children. First off, he's mindful of the lowly. He's mindful of the lowly. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. You might have heard the term or might be in your heading there, the magnificat. Mary's magnificat. That is the Latin term for that idea of magnify. So, my soul magnifies. This is Mary magnifying God, giving attention to him. When you magnify something, what does the focus go to? The thing that you're magnifying, right? Whether it's a magnifying glass, whether it's a, a, a microscope, you're seeking to make something bigger, to make that the focus. And here Mary is saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. This song is not about Mary, but it's about God, And what God is doing, who God is, through what he's done in Mary. Verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's a a parallel phrase. Mary wants to make this all about God. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. He is the one that she is rejoicing in. He is the the focus of this song. The source of of her joy is God himself in his work and his care for his children. And this is the first thing here. As I mentioned, he's mindful of the lowly. Verse 48, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. This idea of he has looked is the idea he perceives, he knows. It's not a, just a glance, but it's a, it's a focus. It's an understanding. He has looked, he knows. How many times have you talked to somebody or to a child or to a friend and say, I know what you're going through? The Lord knows. He has looked upon Mary. On what? On the humble estate of his servant. That term, humble estate, describes her position. She is not one who has wealth. She is not from one of the ruling families in Israel. She has no position, no standing, no means She's a simple girl betrothed to a simple carpenter. There's nothing special about Mary. Yet God has looked upon her, and what does she call herself? His servant. His servant. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. There's this language here of almost an economic standing. The humble estate of the servant. This is not one who is mighty and powerful and rich, but one who is lowly and who serves. This is Mary, but the Lord has looked on her. And what does she say? Second half of verse 48. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. If you look back up at verse 42, as Mary and Elizabeth are interacting, Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. This, for lack of a better phrase, this phrase is pregnant with a lot of meaning. (laughs) It's full of so many implications. This idea of being blessed. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary has been chosen to be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah. We understand the Messiah is the descendant of David, the one who will sit on his throne forever. But even before that... The Messiah is the one from Abraham, whom God promises a great nation, and that through him all the nations will be blessed. And it even goes back to Eve, the seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent. And we would understand that as Eve had children, that she would think, would this be the one that would be the Messiah, the one to deliver us? And there is tradition within Jewish writers of of the time of the kings that women, the idea of barrenness was was not good because the Messiah needed to come. And to be a mother with with a male son would be the fact that you could be in the line of the Messiah, looking forward to that. And here, Mary is blessed because from her comes the Messiah. All generations will call me blessed. And Mary is blessed. Though she is ordinary in every way, God has chosen her to be the mother of Jesus. And she is blessed. There are certain traditions in contemporary Christianity, thinking of the Roman Catholic Church, that raises Mary to a position uh, that she shouldn't be in. That she herself was without sin. And scripture does not reflect that at all. Mary was a sinner like you and I. But the pendulum swing has been that we just forget about Mary. Don't think about Mary. Okay, she did her job and that's all she needed to do. When scripture clearly says, no, this is a a woman who is blessed by God. And she does have a special place in the sense that God used her in a very special way. She demonstrated great faith. And blessed is she among all women because of her faith, of her service, of her care for her child, Messiah. He is mindful of the lowly. He has looked on the humble estate. As we take a step back and think about this, in the sending of his son, God does not overlook the meek and the mild. God did not send Jesus only to do the macro things, the big level things, the the tearing down of nations and setting up of the kingdom. But he's also looked upon the lowly estate of his servants. In Matthew 5, there are the Beatitudes. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And all of those things that are listed are the meek, the gentle. They are descriptors of those who are humble and lowly, not the proud and powerful. And here we see this again, that God has looked on the lowly. You and I are lowly. (laughs) Sorry to say it, even if your grandma tells you it, you're really not that special. right? We're all special, right? If we're all special, then none of us are special, right? The fact is, we're all pretty normal. There's nothing too extreme or extravagant or about us. But yet God still is mindful of us and our needs. He is mindful of what we are, who we are, what we do. And he looks on our humble estate. And as we were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we were in the feed trough with the prodigal, God has sent his son. He has looked on our humble estate, and He has provided for us. And as we are weak and lowly, God knows, God cares, God provides. The Lord sees, He knows, He hears, and acts on behalf of the lowly. Christmas embodies this in every way. He is mindful of those the world has overlooked. He is not one who interacts with those that can only help him. Mary has nothing to offer God, but through his use of her, she brings more glory to God. He is mindful of the lowly. Secondly, he is mighty for the weak. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. So we see the parallel here. Verse 48 says, he has looked on the humble estate of the lowly, and he is mighty for me. He has done great things for me. I love this, this parallel idea. He is mindful of the lowly. He understands, he sees, he acknowledges, he cares for, but he's also mighty to do something. He's willing to act on their behalf. For he who is mighty has done great things. There's a, a great new song out there. It's, it's a few years old. Uh, I shared it on Facebook this past week. It's called he who is mighty. And it's a, it's a great rendition of this passage of Scripture. But it's just a, a wonderful reminder that he who is mighty has done great things. It says, taken on flesh, conquered death's sting. Of What God has done. Holy is his name. That idea there of holy is the idea of being set apart. Yes, morally he is pure, but he's also separate than the world around him. He acts in ways that the world doesn't. He is mighty for the weak. How is he mighty for the weak? What great things has he done? Verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He is mindful of the lowly and he does mighty deeds and through those things, his mercy is displayed from generation to generation. Verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. This imagery excuse me, was seen in Psalm 78, right? The Lord has provided salvation with the strength of his arm. It's, this, it's this, human, uh, this human attribute given to God. God doesn't have arms, right? He is spirit. But the language is used to help us understand. Somebody who has a strong arm, right? I remember growing up as a kid and my dad would just hold his arm out like this, Right? and hang onto his arm, and he'd lift me up with one arm. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever, right? Wow, my dad's so strong. And now it's like I'm doing that, and I realize, man, I'm so weak. <laughs> but God, the strength of his arm, it, it demonstrates control and ability to do something. He has shown with his arm, with his hand, his strength. And, and how has he demonstrated it? Verse 51, he has scattered the proud with the thoughts of their hearts, So the proud, those who have lifted themselves up in their own minds, he has scattered them with the thoughts of their hearts. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. And all of this, Mary is saying, but yet Jesus hasn't even been born. And it's not like Jesus is going to start doing these things right away. He's got to grow. (laughs) And he really doesn't begin his ministry until he's 30 years old. So, what is Mary speaking of? Well, she's speaking into the past, how God has demonstrated his faithfulness, his might through the nation. But even now, in providing Jesus to be the Savior, he is tearing down these mighty. And how is he doing that? Not through sending a conquering king, but through sending a baby. Talk about humbling somebody who's mighty. Talk about using, like we read in 1 Corinthians 1, the simple, small things in the world to shame the wise and the powerful. God is going to send the Messiah to save us from our sins, to establish his kingdom that will rule and reign. Wow, what's it going to be like? Guess what? I'm going to send a baby. He has humbled, the proud, the mighty. He has brought down from their thrones And what has he done at the end of that, verse 52? And exalted those of humble estate. He's exalted Mary. Here's a simple young girl the world wouldn't even give a glance to, and here he is exalting her to humble those who are mighty and proud. Verse 53, we see how he was also the provision, this language of providing for those who are weak. He has filled the hungry with good things. God provides. He is mighty for the weak. He provides. He's filled the hungry with good things. And this imagery, yes, thinking of food, thinking of the nation of Israel in the wilderness, but also in a spiritual sense, right? We are hungry. We are in need to be satisfied. And we see the overlap here. Jesus as the bread of life that is given to us to satisfy us. And then the opposite of that, the end of verse 53, and the rich he has sent away empty. Again and again, we see here Mary is describing God's glory. She's magnifying God. He's exalting the humble, the lowly, the weak. He is mindful of them and he's mighty for them. And he's Humbling the proud, those who think they are strong, the rich. The contrast that the people of God have been oppressed and other nations have come and to rule over them and they are, in a sense, still in exile. <laughs> they are destitute. They need help and God hears and sees and knows and he provides for them. And then the last two verses, she She switches to a a corporate sense. He has helped his servant Israel. So speaking to the Jews, the nation of Israel, in remembrance of his mercy. I love that. Because Israel has messed up so many times. The nation has wandered so many times. The religious leaders have abandoned their responsibilities. They're seeking their own sinful, selfish game. They're, They're bosom buddies with Rome. They're trying to keep power. Like all these things, they failed at. The nation itself has followed idols. It's weak, but yet God remembers his mercy. He remembers his mercy. He remembers his promises. Verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Here, Mary brings in this great promise to Abraham. In Genesis 12 and 15, this promise to Abraham that God would make him a great nation. And did God do that right away? No. Did Abraham try to take that into his own hands? Yes. But He had to wait. And God provided Isaac. And he said, I'm going to give you a land, a place to dwell and your descendants are going to be like the, 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 the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. And whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever persecutes you will be persecuted. And through you, all the nations will be blessed. And here Mary is saying, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever, Mary is connecting Jesus as the blessing that comes from Abraham. And she is saying, yes, it is for Israel, but it's for the entirety of the world. For all those who are hungry and weak and lowly, God knows and hears and he sees and he is mindful and he is mighty on their behalf. Mary's understanding and connecting the events of her conception with that of the promises of Abraham. I'm sorry, but I cannot stand the song, Mary, did you know? Yes, she did, okay? Okay. One of the worst Christmas songs out there. Sorry to break your hearts. I'll get off my soapbox now. Mary had a complete understanding of who Jesus is and what he was going to do. She connected it to the Old Testament. She connected it to the promises to David and to Abraham and to Eve. She is blessed from generation to generation. She is blessed among women. She understands who this child is. Now, does she understand it perfectly? No. Are there times that we see her faith waver as she interacts with Jesus? Yes. But we do see her faithfulness in trusting God and understanding who this child is. He is the Messiah, the one who has come to save the people from their sins. Mary knows. Mary sees. Just as God sees, He is mindful of the weak, He is mighty. Excuse me, he's mindful of the lowly, he's mighty for the weak. And here we are. You and I are lowly. When we stop and think about it, our greatest problems we are unable to fix the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We are lost, we are destitute, we are helpless to fix our problems. We are great at ignoring them or turning them into things of pride, (laughs) our sin and our brokenness, we can say, look at me. What the world does, they make it their identity. But God in his gracious mercy has caused Christ to be conceived in Mary's womb. And in doing so has demonstrated through Mary his concern, care, and sacrifice for those who would be his children. So as we come this Christmas season and as we sing these songs about the birth of Christ, some things to remember. That no matter who you are, you are known by God. God is mindful of the lowly. He knows you. He sees you. He hears you. God is not deaf, He's not blind, He is not limited. There are times in life when we feel that no one hears us or sees us or has concern for us. God does. God does. We are known by God. Secondly, as we are known by God, we know that we are powerless to face our greatest needs, but we know that He is powerful. Though we are dead in our trespasses and sins, He makes us alive together through Christ, through the gift of His Son. Regardless of our position, whether you are rich or poor, whether you are well-educated or just have a simple uh, understanding, regardless of your position, regardless of your birth, no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, He has provided Christ for us. And though the world offers many mighty alternatives, they all are humbled in the face of Christ. So let us look to Him. He is mindful of the lowly. He is mindful. We all kneel before the same cross. The same blood saves the richest person and the poorest person. We are all humbled (laughs) at the foot of Jesus. So as we think of God's care for us, his care is shown, yes, through Mary and her life, but ultimately through Jesus, the sending of his own son. I love that phrase from Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, but willingly gave him up, how will he not also give us all things? Christ has come. God has sent His Son. He has given us him very, His very self. This is the Savior. So as we think of Christmas and as we think of songs, of what they mean and the memories that it draws, as we look to Mary's song, let us magnify the Lord for who He is and what He's done. He's mindful of the lowly. He's mighty for the weak. And in doing so, He shows care to His children. And as the carol says, what child is this? What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping. Whom angels greet with voices sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. I love this refrain. This, this is Christ the King. Whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him praise. The babe son of Mary. What child is this? This is Christ the King who has come to save his people from their sins. God has care and concern and he's saved us as well. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that through the weak things that you display your power. Lord, in things that we think are hopeless, you call us to hope in you. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for your use of Mary. And blessed is she among women, Lord, the mother of the Savior. Thank you for her faithfulness. And Lord, through her song, we are reminded of your work on our behalf. It is all about you. Lord, in the way that you have chosen the humble things in the world to shame the wise, the weak things to break down the powerful, to bring more glory to yourself. Lord, we love you. We pray in Christ's name.